David Locke, kind enough to join us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Sports Network on the Sprint Special Guest Line. David, how are you? Hey, David. I'm good. How are you guys? I'm doing all right. Um, winners of 19 of 21, then lose five in a row, then win four in a row, now lose three in a row. That's one hell of a roller coaster we're on right now. Yeah, you know, I was listening to Ben Anderson last night on our uh, postgame show, and he's got this theory that we're like, I don't quite – I was actually going to call him afterwards because I don't quite understand it all the way, but he's got this theory that we're a momentum team. I don't, I don't know what makes a momentum team or a non-momentum team, but it's an interesting kind of hypothesis to that, you know, when we get rolling, we're good, and when we don't, we're bad, and that there's just this really wide variance between the way we play and – I, I, you know, usually that'd be something like shooting or something like that that causes it. I'm not entirely sure what causes that variance, but it does seem to be the case. How much of it is that? And then, David, how much of it's matchups? How much of it is, you know, guys being able to play small or, or, or guys being able to find the matchups that are favorable? Um, so, I mean, I think the way the league works is that you probably have a favorable matchup every night offensively in some capacity. We are usually pretty good at being able to prevent those teams from having those. I mean, just with defensive schemes and systems and Rudy's presence, and maybe, you know, maybe teams have gotten better at finding ways. Um, you know, last night, though, I mean, like, and Ruby had a good shooting night. Houston, I don't know. I mean, I, I had – I don't know if it's individual matchups on given nights or I mean, there were just some like the first, the losing streak right before the break. There are actually some weird circumstances where I actually thought the in, everybody's injuries were helping them. Right. So like Clint yeah. Capella not playing was actually to the Rockets advantage. We, um, LaMarcus Aldridge not playing, I thought was to the Spurs advantage, but then we went and lost to the Spurs. I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting. The team we've been the best defensively against recently is Denver. Well, that's because Jokic is, a lot, you know, is playing in the middle of the paint and allowing Rudy to be Rudy. And then we're allowed to play kind of team defense. But when we've had to play individual defense, it's been hard. The, uh, and I, I can't remember who uh, put the stat. I think it was Dan Clayton who put the stat out on Twitter that the Jazz are 18th at uh, rim field goal defense, uh, where they were third last year. What do you attribute that to? Uh, I think the league is changing. Um, it would be interesting to look at. Well, there's two things. I, I don't – so we're 18th. What are we 18th at? Do you know? Is it field goal, field goal percentage free, at the rim. Frequency or percentage at the rim? Percentage at the we're rim, still I pretty good. We're pr- still pretty good at frequency. So yeah. because we're good at frequency and someone's high at percentage, that gets to be a little funky. So that could be they're only taking shots when they know they're going to make them or when That's they think fair. they're going to make them, and so then you end up 18th. Um, you know, what you really don't want to be is 20th in both, right? So that they're taking yeah, a lot of shots yeah. at the rim and they're uncontested. I didn't know that we were third last year at defending shots at the rim. I didn't think we were actually very good at it last year. I thought it was the same circumstance in which we denied so many of them that when people actually went to the rim, they shot a pretty high percentage. Um, so I was, I would have been wrong on that if you'd asked me. Um, but that's, I mean, I, that's my quick take on it. I, I, you know, until... Actually, I haven't looked at it this week, but up until recently, our defensive shot distribution was the best in the NBA, which is a statistic that I think is really important. Um, I haven't looked to see over the last two weeks when it really just feels as though, you know, there's a script out there that everyone's following and that has been exposed of whether that's still true. It, that, that may, have, that may have, have changed. If it hasn't changed, 
then it should swing back in our direction because shot distribution on defense is a pretty important statistic. David, I wanted to talk a little bit about what I'm seeing with Rudy Gobert. And, you know, you go back to that Miami Heat game just before the All-Star break with Adebayo. And then you go to the Rockets game with Russell Westbrook. And then you go to last night with uh, Kelly Oubre Jr. And you're close to the court. All three of those are home games. And I'm seeing, like, another level of chippiness and players going at Rudy and then firing off some trash-talking and getting in his face – are you seeing that as being influential? And, and what are you seeing as far as Rudy's teammates kind of getting his back in the, that moment? How do you feel about what team, what, what these individuals are doing to Rudy in the trash talk? It's not something I've thought about. Um, Ubre just, tra- you know, Ubre plays and lives life believing that there's always an ISO cam on him. He's one of, you know, that's just the way he approaches things. Uh-huh. Um, you know, but same thing with Russ, like Russ kind of does the same thing. So I had not, I had not convert, put those things all together as one and, and thought of them as as one thing. Um, interesting. Um, what was your Miami on Adebayo? Um, yeah, I hadn't. I you know, hey, Rudy's an All Star. He's a two time Defensive Player of the Year, and he talks a lot. So I'm sure I'm sure the teams are going after him, right? Like, there's something pretty awesome about that. David Locke, kind of enough to join us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I know that um, it's never fun to see a former uh, player go in and score and play as well as Ricky Rubio did, but it was it was kind of fun to see Rubio to a certain extent. Um, you call it Ricky's revenge on the call last night. I thought his performance was just outstanding. I mean, you root for I root for I'll root for Ricky in every game I ever watch him play, whether it's against us or against somebody else, because you know he's just a good dude and plays with a lot of heart and a lot of soul and so um you know i wasn't you know per se rooting for him to win last night but you're rooting for ricky you know anyone who's spending time with ricky wants good things for ricky uh last night had to be greatly rewarding for him he he loved being here he was connected to the guys he he was very hurt um you know during the trade deadline last year when there was talk about moving him and i'm sure he was you know hurt when they decided to go another direction and i think that's that's what makes everyone like him so much and that's what made makes him who he is is that he has these real emotions and feelings and and it makes you feel as though um you know that there, there's a sincerity to everything that he's about and that that is true with him and so that's you know many players wouldn't have ever shared that you know the key card joke last year was hysterical but it was also laden in you know feeling as though they were trying to you know move him to get better and that He's prideful enough, so that was a big night for him. Good, you know, good for Ricky. Like, um, and I'm not, you know, Ricky was really good last night. I'm not sure he. We, our defense was bad enough last night. I don't think it mattered, right? So, might as well have Ricky have a good night. But if you're going to allow 133 defensive rating, you're not winning. Hmm. You know, David, in this skid, and when I'm watching these losses, and especially a team like the Phoenix Suns getting a win over the Jazz at Vivint Arena, I try to. Uh, pick things that I see that are different in a game as compared to when they're winning or, or when they're on runs and they're playing well. And one thing that stood out to me last night was the lack of three-point attempts from Boyan Bogdanovich and, and really the lack of three presence from Bogdanovich over the last couple of games. Um, is there something to the amount of shots that he's taking on the perimeter and what we see in the wins and losses category? Well, I mean, we need hit, you know, our strength is that we're the best catch and shoot team in the league, we're the best three point shooting team in the league. So anytime we can get more threes and more catch and shoot, 
we're going to be way better off than otherwise. Like that's, that would certainly be a, um, you know, uh, probably a litmus for our successes is whether we can make those. We don't offensive rebound. We do turn it over. So when you, and we go to the free throw line a good amount. So when you look at the four factors of offense, shooting and free throws are how we're going to win. And we're not going to beat you with offensive rebounding and turnovers. Like the, the, the one that last night that was a bad sign was I think we had 14 fast break points in the first quarter because we forced a bunch of turnovers and then we had two fast break points for the rest of the night. And, you know, Boyan played 21% of his possessions last year in, in the open court in Indiana. Um, and so he's actually really a transition player. And um, I think that's, you know, that's something that um, probably people don't think of him that way as a transition player. And if we don't get out and run, then he, and we don't get out and run when we don't want to take the ball out of the net. So, um, you know, that hurts him. 97.5, The Zone. David Locke with us right here on the Zone Sports Network. So where's your uh, where's your level of concern? Oh, it's pretty high. In terms of, is it fixable? Well, you got the best guy in the world in trying to fix it, Quinn. You got the best defensive player in the world to try to fix it around. So, in that sense, I'd say, it's, um, you know, if we're going to be able to fix it, it's high. Um, I do think that there are some things teams can do to us right now. And I don't, and I don't know if what our counters are to them. So that I'll be interested to see what we, what we come up with. Um, I'm not smart enough to understand how to counter things. I, I, I don't look, see pieces that I think can be used in different manners to counter them. Um, so in that sense, the concern level is pretty high, but you, you, you know, you shouldn't, if we're going to be who we think you are, you, you're not supposed yeah. to lose to San Antonio and Phoenix at home. And, yeah. and you're not supposed to be down by 20 three straight three straight games at home yeah and and give up 66 points to the suns in the paint i right. but that was that was a number that i looked at david and it caught me off guard so much that i went back to the first game in in 2020 and there that's the that's the most in 2020 points given up in the paint and i, I didn't i don't know what the suns ability is to score in the paint but that certainly isn't what i would expect to see done against this jazz defense yeah, no, I don't like points in the paint a great deal um, because there's a big difference between a shot that's a floater range and a restricted area shot. But in the case of last night, they took a lot of shots. I think they shot 71% at the rim and I think made about 18 field goals at the rim. So um, their floater, they just got a lot of them. Um, they still only shot about 40% on those shots, which is league average. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, you know, the real problem last night was the – 71% shooting at the rim and about 45% three-point shooting is what cost them. And points in the paint a little bit of a misleading. Um, at least for me personally, it's not a number that I use a lot, but I do think it had some representation last night. So what do you expect against Boston tomorrow? What can Jazz fans expect? And, and just your thoughts on that matchup and that game well, coming up tomorrow. Arena. Absolutely, positively, 110% the worst possible team we could be playing right now. I mean... <laughs> Seriously, the way they play, who their personnel is, what they do. Like, I seriously cannot think of a worse matchup anywhere in the league, including the Lakers or the Bucks, uh, than the Celtics tomorrow night. Like, that's the worst possible matchup for what's going wrong with the Jazz right now. So I suspect we'll win by seven. <laughs> 830 tip. Uh, it, it is a national televised uh, game and they, and tomorrow, they, and the Celtics. The Celtics will be playing their third game in four nights, with the first of those four being that incredibly emotional game against the Lakers. Yeah, right. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it, <laughs> I actually don't doubt what you just said, David. I could see this happening. And, like, and Ben Anderson pointed this out last night, like on our zone post game show. So, um, so let's just say somehow the jazz do actually like out of nowhere, just having played the worst ga- two few games that they've played all year and having my concern level be really high, pull off some bizarre miracle and win tomorrow. And then you would assume, though there's nothing to assume after losing the games they've lost, that you beat Washington, and then you beat Cleveland, and then you beat, like now, and then you lose to Boston, and then you beat Detroit, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've won five or six, and you feel good about yourself again. So, yep. who knows? Yeah. I could see it happening. David, thank you so much for your time, man. Really appreciate you. All right. Talk to you soon.